From the Thinking Out Loud studios, it's the Thinking Out Loud podcast with Kevin and Kyle, the podcast that exists to help you navigate the culture of today from a biblical perspective and to help you grow in your relationship with God. God has commissioned and called you to be a light in this culture. The only way you can do that is to know the truth. No matter what circumstance you're facing, no matter what season of life that you're in, if you truly want to find success in that season, you are going to have to go back to the simple question of what does God say about me in this moment? There's no shortage of information in this culture, but there is a shortage of truth. Welcome back to the Thinking Out Loud podcast. My name is Kevin Wilson. And I'm Kyle Wenzel. And we're excited to have you guys back for another week. And we have just a great show for you today. And we're just really excited to have a special guest on with us today that has an amazing story. And we always want to make sure that when God does amazing things in people's lives, that is showcased. We want to make him famous. We want people to understand how amazing and transformational a relationship with God can be. And so today we have a guest. His name is Angel Colin. He is one of the survivors of the Pulse nightclub shooting. If you remember that, it was a terrorist attack back in 2016. And on June 12, 2016, Omar Mateen, he was a 29-year-old. He killed 49 people. He wounded 53 more in a mass shooting inside the Pulse gay nightclub in Orlando, Florida. It, at that particular time, it was the deadliest incident in the history of violence against LGBT people in the U.S., and it was actually the deadliest terrorist attack in the U.S. since September 11th, 2001, at that particular time. Of course, that was surpassed the following year in 2017 by the Las Vegas shooting. But Angel Colin, he survived the shooting at the Pulse nightclub. He was shot multiple times in his hip, legs, and back. And, you know, was looking at an article on People magazine where he said, quote, I tried to get up, but everyone started running everywhere. I got trampled over and I shattered and broke my bones in my leg. After watching the gunman shoot the woman next to him on the floor, Colin said, he thought I'm next. I'm dead. So obviously just a tremendous story of survival. And then, of course, you're going to also hear about his transformation as well. Angel is part of the is one of the founders of Fearless Identity and also the Freedom March. You can also check out the documentary. They have a documentary on Amazon. It's basically called More Than a Victim. And Angel Colon joins us now. Angel, thanks for being on the Thinking Out Loud podcast. Yes. Thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And so. Uh, Angel, walk us through your day. So before you even get through to the the nightclub that night, just walk us through that day. What was that day like for you? I assume it was just an ordinary day in the life of, of Angel. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so actually, um, I wanted to actually comment on um, before that day, a couple months before, well, that year, the Lord was already um, tugging in my heart mm-hmm. because I grew up in church. So I knew the word of God. I was a worshiper. I was out of um, God's path for eight years. 
But in those eight years, I still, I missed worshiping God. I missed being in church. I missed having that relationship. So I still prayed and I still had my moments with Jesus. So that year I was already fed up with the lifestyle. I knew everything that I was doing was wrong. I knew that my life was a hot mess. Mm-hmm. So I remember till this day, I remember in bed in April of 2016, I was praying and I said to the Lord, Lord, I miss having this relationship with you. I miss worshiping you, Lord. I want to come back to you, but I don't know how to. I don't know how to let go of everything. I don't know how to let go of these feelings. And I said, so Lord, do what you have to do and allow me to go through whatever I have to go through for me to come back to you. Mm. And I call that the dangerous prayer. Yeah, I've heard of that before. I mean, people doing that prayer. I was like, you know what? Let me try. Let me see if the Lord goes out of his way to save me. Mm, mm. So I made that prayer in April 2016. And then I totally forgot about that prayer. (laughs) Totally (laughs) forgot about prayer. And then June 12th, 2016 comes. Mm. But um, but that day I was I was in uh, downtown Orlando. I was uh, doing uh, uh, that weekend. I had to work. But I was working in um, in downtown during the day, and I was let go early that day, mm-hmm. um, around two, around uh, two p.m. And uh, and I was looking a little scruffy, so I was like, you know what? Let me go get a haircut. Let me go get a haircut. Uh, mm-hmm. So I got a haircut and all that. And I was not supposed to go out that night. But you know what happens after you get a haircut? You feel good. You look good. You're like, okay, I can't, oh, yeah. I can't just go home. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I can't just go home and that's it. Oh, I look good. So, uh, so I started to text. I had a friend that was in town from New York as well. Then I got invited to a house party. So I was like, okay, cool. We got the plans. So as the day went by, I got my outfit. Um, I got my bottle. Um, and I made it to, um, to the house party. Um, so I was there. I saw a lot of people. And the thing is, um, the crazy, beautiful thing is that in that party, I actually crashed into Luis Ruiz, mm. which mm. is my um, the ministry partner that I have now. Yeah, I crashed into him in that party. I hadn't wow. seen him for about a year, mm-hmm. um, but it was because God was already working in him. And that's a whole other story. If you guys want to have them on the show, like his story is crazy as well yeah so i i saw him there i was like oh my gosh louise how are you i haven't seen you i um you're gonna go to pulse right he's like yeah of course you know so so we were there and then around 11 30 uh um, um we had left and we got to pulse and had a great time with friends you know it was a night where there was no drama nothing bad going on we were just there we were dancing and then they they called last call made sure i got my last drink of the night Went to the bar. I came back to, uh, uh, to the uh, to the floor, the main dance floor, and uh, two or two a.m. was when my life completely changed. Completely changed. Mm. What? So t- help me, help us, and in, in paint a picture for us of kind of what what happened. When did you when did you find out that the gunman was even in the club? Like, how did that happen? So, uh, um, um, so he was in there actually, um, throughout the night checking out the club. He, um, he came inside and everything. Um, but when everything changed, it was at two or two AM. I was in the room where it all started. Mm-hmm. I was actually, uh, about 10 feet away when he came in and he started to shoot. I oh was, my goodness. I was right in the middle of it all. 
Um, he came in the door. I didn't see him because I was just, I was talking to friends, but I remember hearing a loud pop mm. in, the, um, in the right of my ear. I remember seeing an orange flash. I dropped my drink and right there, you could just hear the noise pop, 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 really loud. I could feel it. I could, I could feel the heat of, um, of yeah. the gun. Yeah. Uh, and I remember I dropped my drink. I pushed my friends and I ran about two or three steps. And that's when I felt already the taps behind my, in the right leg. I could wow. feel hot taps. I remember, um, I, um, um, as soon as I felt the taps, I, I fell down. I wasn't sure what it was actually, if it was me being shot or just uh, something hitting me, but it was, it was hard and I fell. But, um, within seconds, the club was in chaos. Everyone was jumping over each other. I'm trying to get out. Um, so at that moment I tried to get back up. Uh, I felt, um, someone, um, jump over me and they stepped on, uh, on my femur, on my left femur. And I remember over the music and over the screams, I hear a loud snap. And I feel the most excruciating pain that I've ever felt in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, at that moment, now my right leg is all shot. My left leg is broken completely. I'm on the floor. I can't do anything. I can't move. I, I can't get up. All I could do was uh, um, cover my head. Every time I look up, I, I can just see bodies going down. Um, everyone's um, trying to leave through one door so everyone's stuck and um they're just trying to head that direction but at that moment there's a lady um that fell um she was there with her son actually and her son he was able to get out um because she felt she was shot and um she was in pain so you know me being me i held her hand and i told her it's gonna be just fine you just have to calm down we're gonna get out of here you have to calm down so now i hear the the shooters outside in the patio. I can hear the shots going on and the screams outside the patio. And I look around and I just see dead bodies all around me. My it's it's dark, dead bodies all around me. Uh, I'm thinking to myself, Angel, this is this is a dream. This mm. is you know you would never expect to go through something like that. You would sure. never expect to be part of a terrorist attack. You know. You know, so, I, so I'm thinking to myself, this is this is crazy. At first, I thought it was like a gang fight, and someone came in to shoot someone. But then it just kept on going. And I'm like, there's there's something wrong. This is this is crazy. I can't. I, you know, I kept on trying to to pinch myself. I told myself, Angel, this is a nightmare. Just wake up, wake up. And I was just there. And I remember at a moment that I was uh, I was speaking to the lady. I heard uh, footsteps coming in again, and. And I started to hear pops again. Mm. But this time it was slow. It wasn't fast. I, I kept on hearing pop, pop, gunshots, pop. And I came to realize that now he's shooting everyone that's on the floor. Mm. He's now, he was very ruthless. Now he's making sure that everyone is dead My that's gosh. in the room. And I, and I kept on hearing the shots going. Pop, and I kept on getting closer and closer. And um, the lady, I kept on s- screaming, you know, you know, she was in pain. So, um, so I can understand you know, her screaming, but I told her, you have to be quiet. He's coming our way. You have to pretend you're dead. Hold your breath. Don't move. But he's, he's, he's coming our way. He's getting closer. And uh, she kept on screaming. So I was like, Angel, you know what? Just close your eyes. Hold your breath. Pretend you're dead. Do what you have to do. Do what you have to do. And at uh, the moment... Uh, uh, um, I had covered my face and I, hold, I held my breath. I was still holding her hand with my other hand. 
And at the moment I hear a loud pop again, it was um, the same, same kind of pop that I heard the first time, super loud in my ear. And at the same time I had opened my eyes and I see the body of the lady jump up and down. And I remember her hand let loose in my hand and then her eyes just closed. Mm. And in the inside I'm panicking. Now, once again, I'm going through this, something that I never thought I was going to go through. And now someone that I'm next to holding her hand just got murdered mm. in front of my face. Mm. You know, yeah. I've, I've, I've never been, I was never a violent person like that. I was never a person who was around that kind of, you know, so I'm thinking to myself, what is this? Right. What am I going through? Like, this is, this is complete craziness this is complete craziness and then now i'm starting to think to myself okay angel you're next mm -hmm. he knows you're alive he knows you're alive you're next and at that moment i can i can feel him behind me and i could feel that stare you know like when someone's staring at you and you know they're just yeah, yeah. they're just there mm -hmm. i can feel that but nothing was happening it was it was it was weird it was very weird i was like why is he not shooting he knows I'm alive. I'm, I'm holding her hand. He knows I'm alive. He's not shooting. What's going on? So at that moment, I said, okay, Lord, well, this is the moment you're, you're giving me to make peace with you because I'm about to die. Mm, mm. I'm about to die. You, you, you've given me this moment to speak to you and to let everything go because I'm about to die. Mm -hmm. So I started praying at that moment in my head. I started asking for forgiveness. I started uh, telling the Lord, Lord, I know mm -hmm. that you never left my side. I left your side. But please forgive me for that, Lord. I'm, I'm sorry for everything that I've done, but please, I'm about to die right now. Mm. Please take me with you because I'm about to die. I was out in the open on the floor. There was nothing covering me. So I knew for sure he's going to shoot me in the head. He's going to shoot me in the back. And um, But this is where the story changes. And um, this is actually a part where... People Magazine, Time Magazine, they don't have this part of the story because I was in those interviews before I really encountered God. Mm, mm -hmm. So I was scared to really testify of what God really did that night. That's sure. a whole other story. That comes in, in, the, in the part of the church transformation part okay. of the story. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah, where so at this moment I'm praying and nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. And something clicked, something changed. And I could feel like there was spiritual warfare going on at that moment. Mm. Mm. And I changed my prayer and I started to prophesy over my life. And in my head, I started to pray. And I said, Lord, you know what? I'm not leaving here dead today. I'm leaving here alive because you have a purpose with me. Mm. There is mm. something bigger in my life that you promised me, that you promised my mom that her son had purpose in life and had something coming for him so you know what i'm not gonna leave here dead today i'm gonna leave here alive but when i leave here i'm gonna worship you for the rest of my life and i kept on prophesying over my life i could feel this spiritual warfare going on this was the moment where i understood that god has given you the power and authority to change the atmosphere because at that moment i was changing what was going on in there i was changing that battle um the enemy thought that he had me and he did it Mm. And he did it. And I had that connection with the Holy Spirit at that moment. I started praying. And the moment that I said, amen, in my head, I said, amen. And I hear a loud pop. And I remember I feel my body jump up and down. Mm. 
I remember I feel heat in my midsection mm. and I, um, um, I can feel like something hot just um, going down my legs, leaving my body. And I was shot again. Mm. He shot me again in my hip, but I don't know where the strength came from where I didn't yell. I didn't move. I didn't scream. I didn't twitch at all. I took the pain and I saw black and I, you know, I thought to myself at the, that moment, uh, I'm dead. Mm. I'm dead. He just shot me again. I feel everything's leaving my body. I can, I can, I can feel I'm dead. I see black. But at that moment, I, I hear some, I hear the footsteps leaving and going to the room and I opened my eyes. And at that moment, I could just thank the Lord. Mm-hmm. Thank the Lord because everyone around me was dead. Mm. Everyone around me was dead. And uh, um, and a couple of minutes came by, and um, the cops um, uh, they started to put their flashlights through the door, and they, um, they were trying to see uh, um, who was alive. I, I I put my hand up real quick. I told them I can't walk. I can't do anything. Please just take me out of here. And so he ran to me, Officer Omar Delgado, which is like my brother today. Yeah, We're still in contact. Yeah. He's amazing. Um, he came to me, and um, and. And I told him, please carry me because I can't walk. I'm in pain. I can't move. And he couldn't carry me because of all the bodies. It was um, um, just in case, you know, he was carrying me. He trips and he fell over body. And then I get more injured. He's like, I can only drag you out of here. It was a procedure that they had. He said, I can only drag you out of here. So I told him, do whatever you have to do. Just please get me out of here. So he turns me over and he just starts to run, dragging me. And it was a mix of emotions at that moment because I yeah. could hear the shooting going on in the other room. Mm. So I'm happy that I'm being pulled away, but I'm scared because shooting's going on. He's going to hear us. He's going to come in through the door and start shooting us again. I can feel pain because now he's dragging me over the glass that's on the floor. So I can feel the glass. Um, they're cutting the wounds open from mm. my legs. But at the same time, I'm telling him, just run, get me out of here. Just get me out of here. There was so yeah. much emotion at that moment. But by the grace of God, he got me outside across the street and, um, and the ambulance came. And uh, um, he had later told me the ambulance, um, if I was there for five more minutes, that I would have been gone. I would have wow. been dead. And um, that was a whole other, also a, a whole other part of the story because they broke the rules getting into Pulse, the ambulance. They mm-hmm. weren't supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. They weren't supposed to go. They had told them, you have to wait to drive there. Don't drive yet. And they're like, no, we're driving. And mm-hmm. the moment that they got there, I was there. Mm-hmm. And wow. they put me and uh, someone else in the ambulance, and they drove me real quick to, to the hospital. So that was, that was all God. He had yeah. everything. He had everything already planned. So I got to the hospital. There was chaos in the hospital as well because... Now they are taking care of us in a room where we're all in pain, we're screaming, we're yelling. And then all of a sudden the nurses, they start to run and they leave. And we're like, what is going on? I'm like, what's going on? Like, I'm here, I'm bleeding out. Like there's blood all over my bed. I'm bleeding out and the nurses just leave. And, it, um, and I had heard um, someone yell code silver and code silver is there's a shooter in the hospital. Oh, so that means. Goodness. So at, at that moment, the nurses now have to take care of themselves. They have mm-hmm. to lock themselves in a room and they can't take care of the patients just to protect themselves. So I'm, I'm thinking, okay, great. I'm in the hospital and now he's here. You know, so I, I, I remember right. seeing, uh, I'm seeing a survivor jump out of his bed and he starts to crawl 
uh, trying to get somewhere under. I couldn't do anything. So I grabbed a board that was next to me and I put it on top of me. But then you know, someone came in and was like, it's a false alarm. Uh, so that was that was a relief. Uh, um, and a couple hours after that, I got into surgery. Um, I remember opening my eyes and I see my mom and I see my sisters and my dad. And that was one of the best moments mm. of my life, being able mm. to see them. Because being stuck in the lifestyle, because I had so much guilt and so much shame, because I knew the word of God, I didn't want to spend time with my parents, with my family. Sure. Because they were an amazing example of Jesus throughout the years. So they never left me. They, mm. they never abandoned me just because I was gay. No, if anything, they were there for me more than before. You know, so me, I felt the guilt and the shame. So I was the one that pushed them away and, you know, I wouldn't see them a lot. So the moment that I got to see them there, the you know, all I could do was hug him and kiss them and tell them, I promise you, I will go to church with you. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> right. right. But, but, um, but that's where, um, that's where, you know, the true process started. And I remember the nurse, um, one of the uh, nur- nurses, he came in a couple days after and he was like, Angel, so we've been doing the x-rays, we've been doing all this stuff. And you weren't shot three times. I, I thought I was shot uh, three times. He was Angel, you were approximately shot six times. Wow. And, you know, because, and uh, uh, he has said approximately because all the, uh, all the bullets, they were broken. Um, right. They had shattered inside. Obviously, they were trying to put them together. But, you know, I, all I could do at that moment was thank the Lord, even though I didn't know if I was going to be able to walk again, because I, um, I didn't have my nerves and my legs. I couldn't feel my legs. I was just there. But that's where the true process started. That's when everybody, that's where my life really, you know, changed. Yeah, man, that is incredible and you were a dance you know i mean getting all of these injuries the way you got them i I read that you were a dancer i was not an actual dancer okay what was it was um i did work at the conventions for zumba Mm, Um, okay so i would i would i would be dancing i would be dancing all over the place you know and um so at the moment that that all happened there was a guy who was named angel that died that did zumba as well Oh boy. Yeah, that was there. So uh um so me being there at the convention and then him, they actually made a uh, like a uh it was a, um it was called the Angel Diversity Scholarship that was made for Zumba. Um for me and the other angel and now they give it to other people that are in there. But um but yeah, there was a lot of support from different companies and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Sure. Were you able to call anybody? Like, I mean, because I imagine, you know, everybody's got cell phones, everybody's, you know, were you able to call anybody for help or anything like that when you were inside the the club? Inside, I was not able to call anyone because I was I was trying to survive, you know, and if he saw me on the phone and it was a quick, I'm gone. But I did call uh, um, people when I was outside, Mm. when I was able to uh, to go outside of the sun, I had called uh, a few friends and and my sister and all that stuff. But they weren't able to find us in the hospital because we were all um, John Doe's in the hospital. So oh. it was a process for them. Yeah. No, no one knew if their son or daughter was dead until like um, 12 p.m. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, everyone, um, they, were, um, they were on the wait. You know, they didn't know. They had to send pictures of their, of their brothers or their sisters. And then they had to wait to see if they were in, in surgery or not. But yeah, but I was in the hospital. I was in there for three weeks in the hospital. I, I could not walk. I didn't have like the other uh, balance to stand up and have the mm. energy. I would try to stand up and I would lose all my energy at that moment. I would start to sweat. 
And I actually ended up being the first interview after the shooting. Mm. I had no idea it was going to be like that. They just told me, Angel, can you do a small press conference with a couple of the doctors just to share quick, you know, what happened to you that night? So I was like, okay, that's fine. And I remember um, they strolled me into that room and I just see hundreds of cameras, yeah. hundreds of cameras, hundreds of people. And that's, um, that's the interview that you see me with the, um, the gray shirt. Mm. Uh, usually, um, where you see my face, that's all cut and stuff like that. That was that interview. I had no idea it was, it was going to be a world interview, like an international wow. interview. I remember um, um, 20 minutes after that interview, I started getting calls in my room from all over the world. Mm. from London, from China, you know, everyone saw who Angel Cologne was. So that actually started a whole other process for me as well, because now the moment that I was discharged, everyone, they wanted to bring Angel Cologne to their city. They wanted to bring Angel Cologne to their event. They wanted to bring Angel Cologne to that. They wanted to pay Angel Cologne to do this. So before the shooting had happened, my goal, it was to be a reality star. Mm-hmm. It was to be famous. Mm. So now everything is coming my way. Mm. Uh, the moment that I gave my life to Jesus, you know, because I went to church after I got I discharged, I gave my life to Jesus again. I'm doing good. Now all these offers are coming my way, you know. So at first I'm like, oh, wow, this is, you know, this is great. You know, I get to, I get to have a community. I get to go to church. I get to have this, you know, you know, people are being, you know, they're being awesome, awesome to me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, you know, as, um, as the months um, um, uh, came by, I was doing events in California, events in New York. I got hired um, with a speech company. So I was going to, uh, to the big colleges and, I, um, and the universities giving speeches and my story. And I was getting paid very, very, very well. I got an offer to do a reality show of my life after Pulse, a um, movie as well. But during all this, it's like I'm living in two waters. Because I'm going to church, but I'm so confused because I'm doing all these events still for LGBT and still surrounded by that community. Then now I catch myself. I'm still um, dating guys. I'm still doing this. I'm still doing that. I'm like, wait, Angel, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Because at that moment, I was still fighting with the Lord about my sexuality and my identity. I would tell the Lord, Lord, I went through this tragedy, almost got killed. I'm going through these, all these injuries. I survived. I'm here. I'm going to church. I'm doing what I have to do. I'm praying. Why have I not changed? Mm. Why have I not changed? And I remember about a year after the shooting, I, I was in my room and I was praying. And I said, Lord, I'm tired of fighting. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of fighting. I, I surrender to you completely. Mm-hmm. I surrender to you completely. Not only take my sexual identity, but take my whole heart. Take everything of me. I said, Lord, take it all. Take every piece of me. Do what you want with me. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit said, Angel, that's all he wanted. Mm. He wants everything of you. He wants it all. So at that that moment, something just happened in my life where I started to say no to everything that I was doing. I turned down the speech company that That was my income. That was everything that I was making. I said no to all the events and I started to testify Mm. and I said to share with the world. And at that moment, the world turned their back on me completely, Mm. completely. It was a 180. Wow. 80. They pushed me to the side. I had to learn how to say no to the world and yes to God. Yes. But that was 
the best decision that I had made in my life, in my life. Yeah. And not to cut you off, it's, I'm getting excited because I know we're getting into the transformation part of this and perhaps the most powerful, probably most powerful story I've ever heard in modern day for me. But just what you said there, as far as, you know, you had to say, learn to say no to the world. And at the moment where, you know, you've been fighting with probably during, you know, obviously being gay, feeling like the odd man out in your family. Now here you are trying to join the community, the Christian community, and you're stuck again, feeling like the odd man out, you know what I'm saying? And so, but it's powerful to note that even some of the most powerful men in the Bible that did the most for the Lord, you know, when they felt like the odd man out, God saw them as the only man available. And even though, even though you're turning down what you thought was going to be success, money was good. Your story was getting out. God had other plans. And we're going to hear about that as well, because you've, you've now been a founder of ministries. You do have a documentary out on Amazon where you're able to express your story. It's all just the way that God had planned it to go. Um, I do have a question for you, kind of going back a little bit. Throughout your story, I, I was just hearing the constant pattern of feeling good and then feeling in danger and then feeling like you were getting out and then feeling in danger again. And then you get to the hospital where you would think, okay, I'm going to make it. And then cold silver happens. And so I'm thinking to myself, I, if I was in that situation mentally, I would have just quit. Like I would have been like, you know what? This is just what I would have accepted my fate at that point. So can you describe to us the moment where you finally felt like, okay, I have made it out of this situation. Can you just kind of just describe what that felt like? What maybe what verified for you? I'm safe now. And just kind of walk us through that. Yeah, it was. Yeah. At the hospital, it was just, it was a mix of emotions because there was just so much going on. Like it was not mm. because they weren't expecting this either. So all of a sudden they have all these people coming in with uh, gunshots mm-hmm. and um, they would have to choose who to take care of first. Yeah. And uh, they would have to choose who was going to die and they would have to push them to the side, you know? So it was a lot for them too. So there was just so much going on. I remember them um, trying to, to, uh, to take care of me, but I was in so much pain that I was just going all over the place. I was, you know, um, they had to actually tie me down into the bed um, yeah. uh, um, for them to be able to put me through the MRI and get my scans and all that stuff. So I didn't, I didn't feel safe. I was still scared. But um, the moment that, that I was going into surgery, I felt a sense of rather relief mm. because, because on my way to the surgery, um, they had let my sister actually come quick to say hi to me. Mm. So I remember I was going into the OR and I saw my sister and that was when I felt a relief mm-hmm. where I was able to see someone of my family all over again. And I was mm-hmm. able to smile at her and tell her, I love you. I'm going to be okay. Mm-hmm. That was just a sense of relief. But, um, but definitely um, the moment that, um, that I walked into the room and my family was there, that, that just felt like, okay, I'm okay. I'm okay you, now. Yeah. Angel, I, and I know that after the fact, you know, most people who go through like traumatic events like this, they end up having some type of emotional or psychological trauma. I mean, I I can only Mm -hmm. imagine, I don't know, you know, some people have, you know, they end up having PTSD or they have some type of thing where they just, you know, nightmares, all of that. I mean, did you experience anything like that after coming out of something so horrific? 
Yeah, um, those first couple of years, I did have PTSD, not only because of the night, but because of the conspiracy theorists. They were uh, um, behind our backs, you know, saying that we were actors doing this and doing that. Oh, and um, um, they were actually, they would email us and send us threats and all that stuff. So now, n- not only do I have PTSD of the shooting, I have a PTSD because I think that someone's going to come and kill me again. My because I'm not dead because I lied or or something, and that's why you see um, them. They've made interviews um, that my injuries are fake and all that stuff. Because um, you can see the change of my first interviews. Because those first two days, I thought I was shot three times, and then they told me five, and then six. So you, you can see the difference in the interviews. And you know, those people are good at their jobs, and they go deep into your story and they make it seem real that all of us are actors. Yeah. You know, and then and then they send out the, um, these emails, these threats and all that stuff. So that's, you know, that's in your head as well. Everywhere that you go, is someone here? Is someone here? Are they going to take my life? Are, am I in danger again? And I would have the nightmares, you know, every time I would step with a big crowd, um, I, I was I was scared. But nowadays, after actually finding Jesus and having a real <laughs> relationship with him, that's all changed. I can share the story and live my life. Of course, I have a dream here and there of the night. Sure. Um, but, you know, it's a dream. Okay, happens. All right, let me go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's been a beautiful healing, mm-hmm. that part, uh, you know, that the Lord has just completely healed me of that, uh, um, of the PTSD, because there's still um, people that share the story and they can't sleep. They, they, they just cry all day. They just, you know, so, you know, so seeing the, the uh, difference, difference of it is actually beautiful. And it lets me know that Jesus is real as well. Yeah. 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 What about the forgiveness of the shooter? I mean, anytime somebody comes, I can only imagine how hard it is for, for you or who, or anyone else to process forgiveness for someone like that what's that journey been like that actually was one of the first steps it was actually in the hospital i remember um um, like when people would come i would sleep during the day and then at nighttime i was up so i remember um um, they would be sleeping around me and i would be up so i would i would pray and um there was a night that i thought to myself all right angel okay so what are you gonna do from here on what's your life gonna be are you gonna be this depressed person that's always thinking about what happened to you or are you going to be this person that's going to take this story and is going to try and help others who have been through something like this and move forward in life and heal in life and just do something better with their lives and i said angel i i I want to be that i want to be that person that takes this story and uses it for healing to move forward and to do something good in their lives and you know and um and i told myself in order to do this I need to have forgiveness. Mm. I can't be a hypocrite and tell people you have to forgive others and you have to move forward if I haven't done it myself. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I remember there was a night where I was just crying and, and I said, I, I forgive the shooter. You know, I forgive the guy, even though he's dead at this moment, but I have to move forward mm-hmm. from these feelings of the person that did this to me. I had it forgiven him in the beginning and then his, uh, the wife, that was, it was more in the future. Um, a couple of years back, I didn't know how I felt about her because she knew what was going on. She, mm. um, she knew that he was going there. And um, there was a moment where she went to court and I, I had the option to go, but I didn't go. But then as I'm seeing her in the court, this is where I knew that I had changed. I said, 
man, I wish I was in that car because I would have gone to her. I would have hugged her and I would have told her, I forgive you. And I hope that you meet the Jesus that I have met. Mm-hmm. And I hope that we will be in heaven together. Yeah. Yeah. I have no ill feelings towards them. I have nothing but love towards them because I know that people in this world need Jesus. Yes. Mm-hmm. I know yeah. people go through things that they end up doing that you know it's Mm -hmm. free will you know we all have free will and we go through certain things because of that um but i know that the moment that they're able to meet jesus and they see the change that i that i made you know i want that for everyone even for for people who have done the worst Mm -hmm. we're all souls we all need jesus and we all need to be saved and we all need to understand that you know each each and every person that's in this world can become a child of god Mm-hmm. and he loves them and i think that that's something that everyone has to understand yeah yeah would you say that that was part of the forgiveness process too is realizing that like there's still souls that need to be saved and you know they still well for her she still had an opportunity to make that decision you know to get on the i, I know that's hard because here's someone that really didn't care about yours and now on the flip side making it through just having the realization that there's so much more to this world than what we're facing day to day. There's like, literally you were on the brink of going into eternity. You know what I'm saying? So did that help with the, I guess the process of saying, I I need to forgive this person. And I hope that this person finds the same Jesus that I was able to to meet. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, um, throughout that time, I was able um, uh, to reflect on my life and everything that I had done in the world Mm -hmm. and all the horrible things that I did in my past and um, being able to see that God forgave me for all of that. Mm. Who am I to not forgive anyone else? If God forgave me, right. Who am I to say you're not good enough for me to forgive? Yeah. I messed up so much. And I still, uh, to this day, all of us, we have our times where we mess mm. up and guess what? God is there. Yes. Yeah. He forgives yes. us and he loves us, mm-hmm. you know, and we have to be that reflection. We have to be a reflection of Jesus. here on earth you know so forgiveness is a huge part you know and and it's helped me to move forward in my healing Mm. as well to be happy again you know to to have peace in jesus forgiveness was a huge part of that yeah you know and that's why i'm thankful man i'm so thankful for you you coming on and sharing the first part of your story which was the experience of the whole night and i know we're going to get into the transformation part of it but I mean, you said something in the story where you said, listen, I I was praying to Jesus. I love Jesus, but I was just, I was still, even after the shooting, like I was still battling with homosexuality and dating guys and, uh, you know, pretty much reverting back to what you were doing even before the shooting. Just now you have a greater knowledge of Jesus and, and a greater desire for him. Homosexuality or not, sin is sin. And I think, and unfortunately, in the church world, we can, okay, well, gay people are here. That's a different type of sin. The truth is, we go through life and we love Jesus and we want to know more of Jesus, but we also have our sins where we will go out and we will knowingly sin. And that that is a big deal that I think the Christian world's just falling asleep to where we're like, well, I'm going to ask for forgiveness there's, there is something to say about saying, okay, Jesus, I love you, and I know this upsets you, but I'm going to do it my way. It's, it's rebellion. I'm going to do it my way. And so mm-hmm. just for the listeners, it, listen, 
homosexuality. Oh, let's just talk sexual sin. Addiction to porn. I mean, same-sex attraction, uh, sexual perversion. And then we can go even on. The habits, the addictions that we do have. I'm just, yeah, obviously we're talking about one, but they're the same. I mean, sin separates you from God. It doesn't matter what the sin is, okay? And and we've got to come to the understanding that no matter what it is that we're doing, if we're knowingly doing it against God, we are rebelling, okay? And mm-hmm. we are we are telling God without having the words to say it, I'm doing life my way. And so I just thought it was super important that you highlighted that, that you came to a realization that you needed a savior, but you still struggled with sin. And I think that that's something that the audience, no matter what we're dealing with, we can relate to that and say, yeah, there's an area of my life where I'm battling and I am rebelling against God. And so to hear your story of being able to even come out of that, you know what I'm saying? And we're going to hear that is, again, thank you for coming on and sharing that because we all need to hear stories like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Amen, amen. A- absolutely. And, and Angel, I think there's two other things that you said that I think is really important to to anyone that is listening. And one of the things that you said was completely surrendering to God. Like yes. you, like there was this moment where, you know, you were in a moment of crisis and you surrendered to God in, in, yeah. in you know, in a sense, but there came a moment in your life where you had to say, God, I completely give you everything, mm. every part of my life. Mm. And that is very hard for our humanity to give God everything, right? Because we compartmentalize things and we say, okay, this is my yes. Christian life here. Yes. And then, but I, 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 I don't want you to have this part over here. And I think yes. that speaks to the, just the human condition and so many of us deal with. And I think your story, you know, cause I always think it's crazy. Cause we always say in the moment of crisis, God, if you get me out of this, I will do X and Y, right? It's conditional. It, yep. It's conditional, right? And then God gets us out of it, you know, because I've been like that before myself, where I'm like, God, oh, yeah. if you just do this, man, I will never do this again. And then I find myself doing that, and it's not a real true surrender to Christ. And so I think God is speaking through you to people that are listening to this podcast is that whatever those things are that you're battling things that you feel like insurmountable. You feel like there is no way that God could deliver me from it. So I'm just going to dabble in this because it's just too hard for me to get rid of it. God is literally saying to you through angel today is you need to completely trust me with your entire life, your thoughts, your deeds, your actions, your motives, your emotions, everything about you needs to just be surrendered. And the other thing you talked about was the forgiveness. Like most of us, we we have a hard time forgiving somebody because they said something about us or they looked at us the wrong way or, you know, they disappointed us in some area. But here we are talking to somebody where they had somebody over them with a gun and was shooting them, you know, and you're you're able to say today, you know what? I forgive this person. You know, I forgive mm. even their their wife that knew what was going on. And I'm not saying that that process is easy for everyone, but at the end of the day, that's who we should be. It's a necessary process. It's a necessary process. You keep yourself in bondage when you don't forgive. And, 
you know, it's just it. I tell you, Angel, it just, it blesses my heart that we can see clearly just the transformation and what God can do for a life. And not everybody that listens to our show uh, are Christian. We have listeners all over the place. And I just want you guys to know if you're listening to us today and you're not a Christian, guys, listen. I don't care if you have to listen to this podcast three times. Listen to it over and over and over again till you understand the heart of this man that we're talking to, the steps that he took mm-hmm. to get to the place that he's at. Because most of you listening are haven't went through something that he's went through and, and, and probably will not go through what he went through. But he still found that Jesus was the answer. You know, he could have taken this whole thing and said, well, there couldn't have been a God, right? Why, why, why would a good God allow these bad things to happen to me? Why, why would a good uh, God allow me to go through all of this trauma and all of these things? But instead, he's been able to see how God was working through this entire process. That's good. And so I'm just, yeah. it encourages me. Yeah, man. And, you know, um, and just... Like you said, trusting God and depending on him is a huge part of this process. Um, I remember the moment that I said no to the world and yes to Jesus. That's where everything stopped. It got to the point where I couldn't afford rent. Mm. I couldn't afford to pay my bills. Mm. I couldn't afford to live alone. I had to move in with my sister. Nobody saw that. Just my mom and my sisters. Nobody knew. Everyone thought that I was making all this money that I was banking um, because now I switched over to the church. So they thought that I was getting paid even more when no, <laughs> right. Uh, that's, that's not the case, but I had to learn how to really depend on God yeah, and trust in him and say, you know what, Lord, I'm going through this, but you're going to take me out of it. You're yeah. going to pull me through this. You're going to yeah. pull me through. And it's, it's, it really has been beautiful to learn what trusting in God is. Yeah, and what yeah. depending in him is, you know, there's moments that you're, you're going through a hard time and you don't understand why. But going through that, you learn the importance of trusting in God, of knowing that he has you, that he's got your back no matter what. Even if you're going through something, he's going to pull you through. Mm-hmm. You have to have you have to have that connection with him in the good times as well. Yeah. Just because life is going great. You can't forget about Jesus. That's right. That's because you, um, you're not going through anything. You can't forget about Jesus. You have to have that same, that same desire that you have for Jesus when you're going through a hard time. You have to have that same desire when you're going through good times. So good. Knowing that he's, he's, he's a good God. And those good times are because of him as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so the, trusting, trusting in God and depending on him is, is huge. It's huge, huge, huge. Man, so good. Uh, guys, I, I, I know that you're enjoying this conversation that we're having and, um, we, you know, we weren't able to get on this particular episode into his, uh, complete transformation and, and kind of what that all looked like. I know we just teased it a little bit and touched it, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to bring him back for next week, uh, for him to just talk about his transformation. Uh, we know that, you know, we have some some listeners that may be struggling with same sex attraction and, and we want to talk to him a little bit about that and what that looks like in 
you know, just kind of go through that piece as well. So we want, but what, what we want to make sure you do is we want you to go search Angel Cologne. He's also a part of the, the Freedom March, which is just an awesome thing. And I'll have him explain a little bit about that in a second. And also uh, Fearless Identity. He's the co-founder of that ministry as well. Angel, can you tell us a little bit about those two ministries so that people can uh, reach out and get become a part? Yeah, so Fearless Identity, that's that's my baby. That's me and Louise's baby. That's um, Louise, like I said, he's also a post-survivor, and uh, mm-hmm. he's gone through his his own story. Hopefully, um, you guys can, can, can have him on here so, to hear his story. But um, um, him and I, the moment that we shared our story, you know, everyone, the backlash, the backlash that we had was, was crazy, crazy. We lost so many people, so many turned uh, their backs on us. You know, Mm. Um, we were going through it that way. We were going through it financially as well, but we knew that our identity was in Christ and we were fearless Mm. and going through that, we became so bold where now we can walk through anywhere and share a story straight through we can share everything and tell everyone where the lord has taken us out of and so we came up with this name you know the fearless identity yeah and um and i'm um, so now we're we're getting together all the leaders here in florida that have left the lifestyle and we're uniting them and sharing to the world that we have a fearless identity and that we're going to be going into churches and sharing with our youth and um even the other kids because kids are going through it as well mm. these days yep and um yeah and uh Freedom March, uh, this is an amazing family that I met during my process. The moment that I met them, freedom came into my life as well because I saw that it is possible to really surrender to Jesus and and your life will change. So the founder of the Freedom March is Jeffrey McCall. Jeffrey McCall, he's an amazing man. I'm not sure if you guys have uh, heard of it, but he was a transgender Mm. Um, and um, he has an amazing story as well. And uh, the board leaders are Edward Bird, MJ Nixon, Kimberly Zemper, and then Luis and I. If you guys want to take a moment and grab those names and search them up on social media, their stories are powerful, mm. powerful, powerful. Yeah. Uh, they're all different stories, uh, all of us leaving the lifestyle, but in different ways. MJ, actually, um, she was in church with her girlfriend for about two years. Um, she mm. gave her life to Jesus, but she stayed with her girlfriend in church. Mm. And in church was where, you know, the process started with two of them and they separated. Like, it's it, like these stories are just, they're, they're amazing. So, yeah, so now, um, 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 so we go into the big cities of the U.S. and um, we go outside. We have a stage. We share 12 testimonies. We do worship and we march around town. Um, just sharing that there is freedom in Jesus Christ. And at first it was very scary to do this because we did not know what to expect, but the Lord has, has blessed us and seeing lives come because of these marches, because of, you know, us being so bold, it's, it's giving them hope and giving yes. them the ump and the, and the fuel and the boost to share their testimony. Cause I, I tell, I share revelations twelve eleven with people all the time. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Sure. Every yes. time, every time I testify, I can feel a freedom. Yeah. I can, mm-hmm. I feel free. I feel like there's more things just coming out of me and saying, Lord, I'm, I'm just all yours. I'm all yours. You know, so I tell people, even if you're going through it and your struggle, 
testify what God has done and is going to do in your life. You know, and you will feel that freedom. So many people are starting to be bold and sharing their testimonies. And especially now with everything that's going on in the world and all these bills trying to pass, um, giving kids um, um, on the age of eight pills to start changing their bodies with no consent of their parents. Like all this is giving us that boost and that fuel to keep doing what we're doing. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to share also, doing that. of course, of course, I, I, I wanted to share too. Um, there's another thing that I remember of, and that it gives me that fuel and that pump to keep doing this. And it's because I remember being in the club, I would get drunk and I would start to sing worship songs in the club. Mm. Um, somehow drunk, it was still it was still come out of me, right. and I would just start to sing in the club. And you know, I, I think they were looking at me like Angel, what are you doing? But the thing is that someone would always join, mm. and they would sing the whole song with me. And I would I would be like, wait, how do you know this song? And they would always tell me, I used to be a preacher, I used to be an evangelist, a worshiper in church. There are so many souls living in that lifestyle that have been introduced to Jesus, but because of something or in church, they've left, you know, the path with Jesus. So seeing that, I know that there are so many souls that know who Jesus is that are living in that lifestyle. It gives me that fuel to keep sharing and let them know it's possible. It's possible to change. It's possible to find Jesus again. It's possible to fall in love with him again, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's there. There's a lot of, work to do here in the u.s here in the world uh but you know we're um, we're doing what we can and you know i just tell people share 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 wherever you are facebook social media in your church out in the store share if someone has a question share you know it's time to be real and transparent yes yes trying to be real and transparent because these youth and kids they're hearing all about it in school and in social media yeah. You know, yeah. and I'd rather them hear everything from me than from the world. That's right. That's right. Because yeah. the, the world is going to accept them and tell them, oh, um, that's how you feel. Okay. That's what you are. Right. When I, I, when I have to value truth over feelings. That's right. I have to value Jesus over feelings. That's right. You know, and, you know, I, I, I don't follow my heart. I follow Jesus. Yeah. yeah. It's in the Bible. Our heart is very deceitful. Yes. You know. And um, so we're, we're trying to be as bold as we can, as transparent as we can and, and real because they're hearing it everywhere. Social media is horrible. Yeah. Social yeah. Media is horrible. The it schools, is. they're allowing everything now, you know, so mm-hmm. they can be here at home and I fine, but in school, they can be something else. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Well, we appreciate Angel, you coming on, and I appreciate you telling your story. So next week, folks, you will hear um, his transformation story and and all of that. If you have people that you know that are in the gay lifestyle and you've been trying to reach them, and you you're like, man, I just I don't understand it. I don't know anything really about it. I've never been through it, so it's hard for me to identify with them or or, or explain it to them. I encourage you for them to listen to this week's show, but also next week's show as well, uh, because I think that would be such a help and such a blessing to them. And Kyle, can you just tell everybody where to find us? Yeah, you can find us on social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Facebook is pretty simple. Thinking Out Loud podcast. We have a fan page as well. 
Instagram is thinking underscore out loud and Twitter is thinking out loud podcast. So just look us up. You're going to see our logo. We post our videos. We post questions. We have dialogue with our followers throughout the week. Just this last week, we did a Christmas one and then obviously promoted the fact that we were going to have Angel on today. Just We just want to let you guys know what we're going to be talking about. So you can find us on any of those platforms. Yeah. And you can uh, listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, everywhere you consume podcasts, you will find us. And we appreciate you guys being here. We'll look forward to sitting around at the table next week and chatting with with Angel. God bless you guys. Thank you.